Welcome to Table Flipping. I'm actress Taylor Mishak. And I'm writer Alyssa Littman. Join us as we sit down with guests to unpack how the fascinating, messy women of reality TV have shaped our lives. And of course, dish about Bravo, The Bachelor, and everything in between. Thanks Thanks for for listening. Happy Friday, Alyssa. Happy Friday. Now, whenever you say that, I'm scared that it's not Friday again because I have no idea I know. what day it is. <laughs> that, well, first of all, that was scarring from our last episode of the last year when it was actually Wednesday. Yeah. And that was really, really tough for me. I thought about that for days. <laughs> um, but no, it is a Friday. It's going to be like 90 degrees. Did you know that? Oh, fuck. <laughs> bad news (laughs) yeah I would much rather be in this apartment when it's cold outside them because we're on the second floor so it just is like it traps heat in a terrible way but Mm, you know mm, mm. um are you excited are you gonna like get a tan or something no (laughs) I'm gonna be inside the whole day I don't even know why that was newsworthy to me I just thought it was interesting it was gonna be 90 in January as if I don't just like spend the entire day now in my house all day every day some days I do not breathe fresh air it's it's scary yeah um speaking of since nothing is interesting is happening to us let's get into some uh reality tv news last week We didn't touch on the Kim and Kanye divorce. And I'm sort of glad that we didn't because of this, like, I don't even want to say the name of the attention-seeking TikToker who made up this crazy rumor that Kanye was uh, cheating on Kim with the makeup artist Jeffree Star. Uh, But I will say, while I don't want to give her any credit, it was fun while it lasted. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can't really say your evidence for someone cheating or not cheating or whatever, hooking up. I don't know what the timeline was is, oh, they live in the same community where all the wealthy people live. Like, that's not evidence. It's insane. No, it's not. And yet I ran into the other room where Tony was and I was like, oh, my God, Kanye's fucking Jeffree Star. And he was like, really interesting. And I was like, because they're both in Wyoming. <laughs> I fully, I was doing, I was just drinking the Kool-Aid. Listen, not a lot of like, I don't know, light, interesting things are happening lately, you know? So I do like sharing some sillier headlines. Are you excited that like Kim is uh, single now? Are you like relieved? Are you sad? What do you think? I'm sad for her. I will say that I am sad for it. It sounds silly to be sad for someone who truly has everything, (laughs) but I am a little bit, I mean, it can't be fun. This is what her third marriage technically. Yeah. Um, And it seems like, you know, it's going to be messy. However, we have to believe that she must have had a pretty phenomenal prenup, right? Like Chris would not let her walk down that Italian beautiful aisle without a prenup, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a very public, very messy divorce. Well, what's the thing that you sent me that was saying he, they like haven't been hanging out for a long time and all he did was make that hologram of her dad. (laughs) Yeah, he, like, brought over the dad hologram for her birthday, and then he, like, ran away because he didn't want to be there. And I was like, that's just such a funny uh, gift to have to do- drop off. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's sad. It seems like it's it seems like the better option than continuing to like publicly deteriorate, you know, and having them use their social media to be like, I'm locked out of my house because of Chris Jenner. Like that's awful, yeah. and that's like not good for their kids. See, I'm no. always pro divorce. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I'm me too. Like, Get the fuck out of there. Don't no. if you guys are at this point. Like, it's done. Be done. End it. End yeah. it. I will say this is what was interesting when this the Jeffrey Star rumors were happening when the divorce rumors were finally like kind of bubbling up to a point where they were making headlines because this has sort of been a long time coming was the same week that the Kardashians were shooting their very last episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And so there is it's just such an obvious transparent plan yeah. that there's all of these things that they're probably not going to have addressed on the finale of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but are going to keep us on the hook so that when they go make their new show with their huge overall at Hulu, we're going to have to go watch it. And I yeah. say that like I'm doing it against my will, and I sort of am. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's really genius. I mean, the devil works hard, but Chris is really, really working harder. And they're starting a new, with Hulu, a, a sort of like network. Uh, I don't even know if that's technically the right word, but they're making a several productions that they are going to be like creatively involved in many of which have like tiktok stars like addison ray mm-hmm. who is now so cozy with courtney and they're going to make all these new shows so they're fucking figuring out how to keep the drug in our veins of all of their bullshit and i think that this divorce is like well timed with all of that um so you know what good for you yeah let's also get into this you just sent me an article last night about the about roni being shut down yeah there's a covid one of the housewives got covid on roni i i gotta think it's not ramona because she already had had it i mean i know you can get it twice and sort of like we don't really know um what the situation with that is but it just seems unlikely that it would be her again. But it would be that would be actually very funny if it was her again. Oh, she got it twice. Unreal. Yeah, that's that would be funny. That's I, like one of the only funny options. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it was the whole time she was like, I what what did she say? I don't wear a mask in the ocean on the yeah, reunion. I don't wear a mask in the ocean. She's screaming. And she got it again just from like partying with like Eric Trump or whatever in the Hamptons. Yep. <laughs> that would yep. make me laugh, but um I don't know. I haven't heard any rumors rumors about who it is, but I know they're shutting down for now. Have you heard anything? Interesting. No, no, I haven't. I just read the same thing that you sent me, and I was like, okay, any of the women aside from Leah would not surprise me. But if it's Leah, I would be like, oh, gasp. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, the last thing is this was like in the past like 12 hours. Big Claire and Dale breakup rumors happening. So Claire and Dale both deleted their most recent Instagram posts of one another. Claire's, she wasn't wearing her engagement ring. And Dale's had either the caption or he had commented on it, I will never leave you. (laughs) Both of them have been deleted. And then a supposedly a close friend of Dale's came forward and was like, listen, he's a really good guy, but he's like not that into Claire anymore and doesn't know how to break up with her. That, I, I'm sorry, Dale. Like, if you didn't see that coming from a million miles away, like, I don't know how to be on your side about that. that yeah, I, I mean, don't of know. course, of course, that's how this is going to end. 
it's it's I feel bad if from the get-go he's just been yes anding out of a place of guilt and panic but if he really was into her for a short time and is now coming into a place of guilt and panic then I have no sympathy for him at all I'm like you <laughs> what are you thinking about this is crazy uh, but that I just thought was very fun and juicy because I've been that's it's very soon. It would be such a soon breakup. It, the breakup would be just as fast as the engagement, which I love. I think that's great. So funny. My um, Instagram feed like suggested a video of Dale like lifting Claire up dramatically, but he's too tall. So he smashed her head into the ceiling. And I was like, yes, I do want to see this. Thank you, Instagram algorithm. <laughs> It was very funny. <laughs> At first, you're like, no, I don't want to watch them dancing. And then you're like, oh, she gets injured. Yeah. Oh, she's okay. concussed. Light. Okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah. What else? Any Let's other get news? Into... No, I think those are the big, just watch something like huge happen today that we're fucking forgetting about. I know. Um, we're only human people. But let's talk about The Bachelor because <laughs> I'm, I, I just can't wait any longer to talk about Victoria's bra. <laughs> so you know that it's bad because I texted you this, but I just have to say it on the pod. My brother, who's like, you know, he's three and a half years younger than me, not into fashion, never notices anything about outfits, texted me out of nowhere. Oh, my God. What's going on with this girl's black bra on the under this dress? And I was like, <laughs> if Ryan's noticing it, you know, it's a, it's more than a faux pas. It's like a violation or something. Yeah, it was so aggressive. And let's count them two times it happened in this episode because we had a big old bra- black bra under the wedding dress and the wedding dress challenge, which I'll try Try to hold less against her because she didn't know what was coming. Sure. But the ruching strawberry, like American girl dog, dog, American girl doll meets Bridgerton (laughs) strawberry dress with a just huge exposed black bra on the back was like one of the biggest fashion atrocities we've seen on The Bachelor maybe ever. Here's the thing. Wild. She and I will get to this, but she manages to sort of one up that in her confessional for next week as well. But like I am a firm believer that everyone can look beautiful no matter what their body type is. You just have to know what's flattering on you. And that dress is the opposite of what's flattering on her. And I have no Mm -hmm. sympathy for people who haven't learned that before they go on network television. Like, there's just certain things I would never wear. I don't do well in ruffles. Like, I look like a fish or something, you know? I'm not going to come on here and be like, let me audition, like, a very ruffly top on The Bachelor. I'm going to be in, like, classic, sleek, dark colors. Like, you can't go wrong. You need to know your strengths before you come on here with a bunch of fucking beauty queens. Also, preach, Alyssa, preach. You should not be on The Bachelor in the same clothes that I'm in on my couch in quarantine what was the sweatsuit that she started the episode out in like I have no idea like does she have a mirror in her room I'm confused (laughs) (laughs) I know that she slept on the couch because she got in a fight with people and her fucking face looks like she literally slept face down in between the cushions and then just like went on camera and like never took a shower like something is very awry with this whole girl's appearance. And if she was a nicer person, I wouldn't be saying all of this, but it's fair game because she's annoying. No, it's fair game. It is fair game because you're right. You know you're going on TV. And we've read for years about how women fucking break the bank buying all of these spectacular clothes 
and gowns and like making sure that they're right to be on TV. And we love it. We tell them they're beautiful. And this is this is the exact opposite. I also think on top of it all, the real the real cherry on the icing of the fucked up cake that is Victoria is in the challenge. She goes, my team is a bunch of queens and that team is a bunch of jesters. Just gestures. She, I can't even say it incorrect the way that she said it. She said gestures instead of gestures so confidently. And it's it's just great. I have the I'm under the impression that Victoria, especially with the more so of the drama and the interactions with the other women than the talking heads is is thinking that if I am crazy and wild 200 percent of the time, at least 20% of this will make the cut. Like some of this will get on TV. And she doesn't know that all of it is going on TV. She's throwing <laughs> every single dart at the wall. And yeah. like, and she doesn't think that all of them will stick. And girl, they are. They are putting in every every fight, every line, everything that she's throwing to these women. They're putting it in. So she's just like, just really an over-the-top villain in every way. And the fashion is like, only a small part of it. And can you imagine? We've talked about it for like seven minutes and it's the smallest part of what is fucked up about Victoria. I need your thoughts on like her under eye bags. Like what do you think is going on there? Is it like drugs? Does she have anemia? Like what's, it was getting like progressively worse and worse. Like I really thought that she was like patient zero of a contagion type movie. Part of me is like, has she been drinking a lot I get under yeah. eye bags when I'm like super wasted and if I'm having a I don't know a bunch of champagne like she is in general you have to also think there's so many bullshit products out right now that are those like stickers you put under your eyes I use them all the time all sorts right. of eye creams again another sort of like preventative thing that is just it's really it's crazy that she doesn't think about it her confidence is I am envious of her confidence <laughs> I really am. I have to say, I am. she's kissed him like three times, Alyssa. Ugh, he looks How like he hates possible? it every time, though. <laughs> he does. He does. But I, I, it does make me uncomfortable because I'm under the impression that the producers are like, you got to keep her for a little bit. Yeah. And he's interpreting that as like, I must kiss her then. And I wanted to be like, no, I don't think you have to do that. But she's really relentless. She's just going for it. Speaking of relentless... I, I couldn't help but think that you would kick fucking ass at that capture. The oh, my God. Challenge. Thank you so much. I was going to say I desperately wanted to play that game. It looked so <laughs> fun. I'm very fast. And or I was before we had to sit in our couch for a year. And like, I feel like I could kick everyone's ass. And I have some I have some thoughts about like how unfair the, the dress distribution was. Like, if you Ugh. have to run in a strapless dress, you're at a major disadvantage. <laughs> like, I would be running like tits out as that thing like slipped down my my front you know it's I don't know I feel like some of the dresses were like easier to play in for sure I think the whole thing was a hate crime <laughs> having 18 women 18 women trying to put on all these women in the first place was so cruel like they're all and also such a big sign that this show is like so fucking discriminatory about against like different body types the fact that they just had a rack of dresses oh, yeah. and they all could fit in them like okay like <laughs> yeah. that's a little fucking fucked up but then to make them be running around and like covered in paint with a game that seemed to have no rules yeah I felt really bad for them I guess like so. I understand why they just simplified it like go you know steal the other team heart or whatever but usually if I'm if I'm recalling correctly 
and capture the flag you wear you know you can get like captured by the other team and they put you in jail so you have less people to go try to like get the flag and so when they were getting tagged with paint I thought that meant like oh you were sidelined for two minutes yeah, or something you, like that yeah you thought that because those are the rules yeah <laughs> <laughs> but instead they were like we just wanted to be messy so really the paint didn't matter. So I was like, oh, this is the easiest fucking game. I could just like, you know, mow down all these girls, grab the heart and just like punch my way back. Yeah, the other yeah. Side, you would have elbowed your way there. I know it. Oh, so that was I just couldn't help but think of you in that. Thank challenge. you so much. Yeah. Also, I liked that they were like, watch out for the cake. And they were just throwing cakes on each other. <laughs> so if I wasn't the fastest one, I would definitely be good at like throwing the cake on people for sure. <laughs> Uh, wait, speaking of insane things, I need to ask you about if, do you mind if I move on to Atlanta? Oh no, let's do it. Okay. So in Real Housewives of Atlanta, two things, one more serious, one just like, I'm aghast. They were trying on lingerie in a lingerie boutique. Mm -hmm. Is that legal? Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And I, this has nothing directly to do with it, but it being in the pandemic made me feel so much worse. Oh yeah. But they were modeling for each other and i love they were feeling themselves they all looked really hot but they were fully trying on thongs is that uh, is that allowed well you know they have those plastic stickers in the bottom of them that easily protects us from any possible no! contamination <laughs> no that's God. disgusting i don't i would take that home and wash that first right i would not even buy lingerie there i like it's up people's assholes yeah I can't I can't handle it like I like the idea of them trying it on and then buying it like sort of sanitizes the situation for me mentally but then I think about all the other people that could have tried that on and I'm like this is this is really wild um and then the other thing I wanted to ask you is I was having an internal debate about LaToya really wants to put Kenya on dating apps and is like really encouraging her to like get out and start dating again and I have this real 50-50 split of like Yes, I, I think that it's important for her to like get back on the market and to like boost her self-confidence and to be told that she is still like such a uh, amazing and amazing woman who could be with a new partner, even though she's just like just getting a divorce and having a kid, like not letting that stop her, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. But then the other part of me is like, you know what? I think it's very fair for you to take a fucking break after divorcing a emotionally abusive and really possessive man who like made you think that a lot of your value had to do with your relationship with him. And like, I think maybe it's okay to tell your friend that she doesn't need to rush back onto the market. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's hard to get like clarity on the situation without taking a break for sure. Um, I think you can go out and have fun if you want to. Like if you want to let someone buy you a drink or whatever it is, there's no harm in that. But you don't need to get right back into another relationship. Also, you're going to be going through like a very nasty divorce process and it's going to be really mm -hmm. draining on you. So I feel like adding in a new potential guy who could also have the same tendencies since you haven't had enough time to do work on yourself and figure out like, you know, what the red flags are before you yeah. get involved with somebody Great like that point. again uh, mm -hmm. is just going to be like a, it's like, it's going to be like a double breakup basically. Like, have you ever done that where you go out and you like, you date somebody, you rebound and then it doesn't work out. And then it's almost like you never were sad about the first breakup. So now you have to like mourn both the relationships at the same time. And it's, yep. it's awful. And you feel like an it's idiot. awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not good. And I think it's, 
if you're Latoya or if you're any of Kenya's friends, you just have to strike a balance of being of making her feel as beautiful and special and important as she is, but also making her feel like there isn't some sort of expiration date on that. Yeah. So to just be like, you you need to get back out there. But when you're feeling ready and you feel a little bit like your life is together and there's no rush, but I want you to feel like you you are not out there because not because you're not a good player, but because it's just not the right time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Did you have a uh, question about alimony? Yes. So that brings me to Salt Lake City. Look at us. I'm just slashing through these transitions. Um, Real Housewives <laughs> of Salt Lake City. Heather is expanding her business beauty lab, which is cool to see. Love it. Um, and she is talking about how she has yet to take a salary from the business. Like all of the money goes back in. Um, and that she lives off the alimony from her ex-husband. But then... She said once she starts paying herself from Beauty Lab, mm-hmm. she's going to take less alimony? Yeah. Is that a thing? So, okay, so alimony laws, as I understand them, are different in different states. So I only know, you know, anecdotal information from California. Um, but my understanding is, like, when you get divorced, whoever the breadwinner is is supposed to continue to provide close to the level of the life that you guys had together um, in Mm -hmm. alimony payments and child support payments. Um, So if you are still for a certain amount of time, it's like a contract. So if you are able to essentially make more money than those alimony payments, like people can go back to court and sort of renegotiate what the payments are. Um, and if you get married again, you don't have, you don't pay alimony to that person anymore. Um, okay. So I think probably it sounded like what Heather was saying was like, she was using these alimony payments to start her business to, you know, be independent. And I think that's, Uh, I think it's a very common thing for ex-husbands to feel like they're being taken advantage of because if somebody does that kind of thing but really in the long term it's like better for both of you because she's going to be her own businesswoman and she's not going to have to depend on anyone Mm -hmm. including you and the rather than just like collecting checks and never doing anything which is totally fine as well because that's like part of what divorce is that's part of the agreement that your lawyers work out Mm -hmm. um so I think she's trying to do the honorable thing and also not be like emotionally beholden to him I know a lot of people feel like if I keep I have to be nice to him so he'll keep paying my checks on time and I don't want to go back to court um Mm -hmm. so I think she's trying to do the right thing and also the healthy thing for both of them so he doesn't start to resent her again and like it's hard on your kids when they're teenagers if you like go back to court and relitigate your divorce and try to prove right. that she doesn't deserve that money anymore and she's making this much and she, I shouldn't have to pay and all that shit. It's just like it gets really nasty. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think what she's doing is like expanding her business and then finally being able to sort of wean herself off of those payments, which is awesome. Yeah, I think that that and, and that's that is somewhat how she described it of being like, it would be really great to just like not have to be beholden to him in all of these ways. Um, But I was confused because I thought that that was required in a way. And I was like, that would be wild if all of a sudden you couldn't get any of your alimony, but all of that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's really cool, especially since she invested a lot of her alimony payments into this business. It makes sense to like, try to be then living off of the, the, they, they both like financially did 
invest in it in that way. So then for them to both benefit from the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Why am I, why is my mind going blank? What's a, a profit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like from a business perspective, she took the money that she was being given and she, you know, there's probably a certain timeline on it. And she was like, I'm going to build my own business. So hopefully I don't have to take this money anymore. And I think that's the healthy way to look at it. And I think a lot of men might feel like, well, I paid for her to open that business. And it's like, well, you're paying her no matter what. So it's nice that she went and started like making her own money and doesn't have to Mm -hmm. bother you anymore. And so now you get to keep that money. So you both benefit, you know? Yeah. 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 And speaking of Heather, the best the best moment of the whole episode is her walking through the desert and getting hit by a tumbleweed <laughs> and then going, oh, my God, is that a real tumbleweed? I know. It's so funny. It's so, so Tony goes, don't they live there? I and know. I like, yeah, they, but they live in like the city, I guess. But I would have the same thought. It's such a like cartoon thing to see. <laughs> like <laughs> you wouldn't you would have to be like, oh, is that? Is that a real tumbleweed? Am I, is this real? Oh, I think she's she's so great. And I think like this whole conversation, everything that she's talking about with her divorce and like all of her growth and all of the changes that have happened in her life and like her dating and her being a like cool businesswoman and then her being very funny and like trying to be there for everybody. She's a great housewife. I'm, a, I'm yeah, obsessed with that. I really like her very much. And it's very cool to see someone like open a huge space for their business. Like I, I just being able to like buy real estate or, re- or lease it and then like redesign it and put your own like Instagram tile on the floor. Like that's yeah. so exciting to watch a housewife actually succeed in that way. I know it's it's really really cool what did you Am think about those like beauty lab yes but <laughs> yeah <laughs> what did you think about those uh like scary moldy bathtubs that were built into the mountain <laughs> I thought it, I hate um putting myself in water in right. most cases like I really really hate water especially when it is murky or dark but I there was something a little bit maybe it was just like the lighting and like the fresh air and the fact that mm-hmm. as I mentioned before I've just been inside of like my room for weeks but uh that it seemed kind of appealing to me in a weird way yeah I think in like- my character what did you think hot water coming out of the earth already hot is like seems exciting <laughs> Um, but then I looked at like the muck that was on the sides of the bathtub and the, the wide shot, there was some green stuff on the outside. And I was like, I don't Mm. know if this is peaceful or disgusting. So Mm, mm, I feel mm. like either answer is valid. Probably. I would be sitting in that thing. Like, ew, like how do they clean this? Those really beautiful, like murky, milky waters that like the Kardashians have been in. And it's like this big, beautiful, like salt ocean. What am I thinking of? Those, that kind of shit, that freaks me out because it's so big and because it's so um, spooky to me. So I think maybe the tubs are a little bit easier for me to digest because, like, Mm. there probably aren't sea monsters in it or pirates or or octopuses. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was definitely a weird – I loved Jen Shaw being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. (laughs) And it cost $16. Did you notice that? Yeah. It was just $16 for a soak. I was like, what a weird price. I don't know how that makes me feel, but – Yeah, for sure. Um, should we talk about 90 Day? Ugh, yeah. Yes, please. Yes. First of all, very bummed Julia wasn't in this episode because I was on pins and needles to see the what's going on with them. Um, so how dare TLC do that to me? I, I just very quickly wanted to say Rebecca and Zied finally are together. Zied came all the way to the United States. His, like, goodbye to his family was weirdly emotional to me. 
because there's kind of a, an, a, a thought that he might not see them again, which is awful. Yeah. And he gets all the way here, and now Rebecca's daughter and future son-in-law, like, decide this is the time to be, like, little interrogators and, like, little skeptical sallies and super, like, unwelcoming, really mean, really, like, cold to Ziad. And, like, now is the time that they're going to light a fire under his ass. And it's like, if you're trying to prevent someone from scamming your mom, too little, too late, honey. This man has been with her for years. He just flew all the way here on, like, a fucking 25-hour flight. Can you let him, like, take a nap? Like, I'm just, like, very pro Zed in this moment, even though he is likely absolutely fucking Rebecca over. I, like, I just am so annoyed with, I get very, <laughs> I'm very on the side of anybody who's sleepy who comes off a plane. Yeah. Like, even when Yara was a dick about it, I was like, I don't know. It sounded like she had a lot of layovers. Yeah. And he came all the way here. It's very emotional. And they, like, bully him into going and getting a drink that he doesn't even want to do. And they don't even want to do it. I th- That whole thing just rubbed me the wrong way. And you could tell they think they're being real heroes. And it's like, come on, you guys. No. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. I feel like both sides are weird because I feel like Zied is very controlling and is like, I don't want you staying in your daughter's house with her, with, I guess, your son-in-law, which is, like, a, a bizarre, you know, brainworm yeah situation and then uh I-, I feel like they equally were controlling um and i just don't I- it's hard to take anyone's side and she's obviously like i mean they described her as like a lovesick teenager and i feel like that seems pretty accurate and i feel like it'd be really hard to watch her mom be like that all the time oh, of course of course i sat i feel for them when they're like my mom's being a dumb bitch i'm like yeah girl like i get it but your your approach to is not helpful at all it's just yeah. like, sort of rude like you're not making the situation any better yeah for sure um and the other thing the other fascinating scene in this episode is with yara and jovi's friend quote unquote who takes Yara out to get a mani-pedi and then proceeds to be like, do you think that Jovi is ready for marriage? And Yara's like, yeah, I think he's like ready, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, because his reputation in this town is fucking crazy. He loves strippers. And Yara's like, what do you mean he loves strippers? And she's like, oh, what do I mean he loves strippers? He fucks strippers and they pee in his bed and like goes off. And I felt so bad for Yara who was like obviously blindsided by all of this but part of my energy and what I was picking up from her was like a little bit of like why the fuck are you telling me this like I don't I don't need to know all of the gory details of like people that might I know that he's fucked other people but to go into these details and to be it was so what how what do we think about this so my read on this situation is this girl is like has been waiting in the wings for Jovi to grow up and has, like, thought, you know, we're really good friends. And, like, when he grows out of this phase, like, maybe we could give it a shot. We all have guy friends like this where you're like, oh, I don't even want to recommend them to anybody because I don't <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> but perhaps someday they'll, you know, become more mature. I think this girl took it a step further because – she was like, what's so special about you? You know, I, I, mm. I sense some like, um, what's the word? Like 
misdirected anger at Yara because Jovi never seemed like the marrying type and she's clearly been around him and has been like the guy's girl like oh cool you fucked another stripper and she peed oh my god hilarious Jovi Mm -hmm. and now it's Mm -hmm. like wait a second you just like brought this Ukrainian bride over and moved her into your apartment you're redecorating the whole thing for her like who is this bitch you know yeah yeah it's uh it's that's exactly it and she's just pushing her away in like the meanest way yeah very I thought it was very sweet to go take her to Mandy Petty's because this bitch is bored. She has no friends. And even Yara's talking head was like, I don't think like I'm probably not gonna be best friends with this girl, but like I'll hang out with her. I, it would be nice to hang out with people. She was just like, and then she just gets fucked. And if I'm Jovi, I'm gonna be livid. Oh, yeah. and it also felt pretty like I don't know if this is a stripper shamey to me to be like he's just a guy who fucks strippers isn't that disgusting it was like yeah it seems like a weird thing to say like you should just say like he got around or he was sleeping with a lot of women um and you could say he was going to strip bar i don't know it just felt weird to be like isn't it crazy he was fucking strippers like okay what do you do girl like i so that really that really just sort of uh rubbed me the wrong way yeah i uh, uh i was like this girl is not your friend and you shouldn't talk to her anymore and if you really feel I mean I the, uh, on the flip side I really do feel like Jovi is in it with Yara it doesn't seem like he's cheating on her or anything as far as we've seen right so no, it's like fuck off I, yeah who fucking cares who he fucked before be, me like you do you think like all guys who are like Jovi just never get married like they stop at some point they just do <laughs> a lot of them just and this is his stopping point he's fucking marrying Yara and he kind of talks about it that way where he's like do you do you think I wanted to be getting married no but look I fucking <laughs> really like this hot girl I met in Russia like I'm doing it he's very like he's I don't think that he's being fake at all I think like to be wary as his friend of like this is pretty sudden is totally fine but to be such an asshole about it like fuck this girl ugh man yeah. what a what a good she's show rude. <laughs> she's rude uh, and I also love I, that's what also one of the things I love about this show is the idea of like one episode I'm like so upset at Yara for like freaking the fuck out over a white rug in a furniture store and then the next episode I was like don't pick on Yara while she's getting her nails done she doesn't deserve this she's lonely I know I'm like don't actively make her feel like this guy that she's with who just went away for four weeks is gonna be like sleeping with whoever he can get his hands on while you're here like getting your nails done with some bitch who hates you in a city yeah. where you have no one like that sucks yeah. no matter how no matter how high maintenance you were before this like you don't deserve to be treated that way you deserve at least a shot before she like here's what you could do is you could hang out with her and if Yara was like straight up rude about New Orleans and hating America and not liking the way Jovi's treating you then you can drop the he fucked strippers bomb yes yes (laughs) yes you don't open he fucked the strippers bomb you just don't I will say, speaking of her being uh, ungrateful, I am going to start asking Tony how much he will miss me in dollars. (laughs) (laughs) She goes, how much will you miss me? And he was like, so much, Yara. And she goes, how much you miss me in dollars? And he goes, zero. Stop doing that. I feel like you're going to get the same exact answer from Tony. I just oh have a tingling God. feeling it's going to be the same response. Oh, it a thousand percent will be, but it's so funny. It's such a funny sugar baby thing to do. Like, how much are you going to miss me in dollars? Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you, Yara. This um, show really has no heroes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
Um, let's get into it. We have a really fun interview this week. Uh, we have the last of the Peralt brothers, Brian Peralt, who's a really great actor and comedian, who's coming on to talk about <laughs> the Glee Project, which is a show that really blew me and Alyssa's minds <laughs> as uh, actors and writers. So <laughs> buckle up for this. Uh, it's uh, it's a fun one. Okay. Guys, we have had Dan Peralt on to cover Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and we've had Steve Peralt on to cover <laughs> Laguna Beach. And today we're going to complete the Peralt Brothers doing throwback shows trifecta, because we have actor Brian Peralt in the house, and he is here to talk to us about a little gem called The Glee Project. Hi, Brian. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And before we get into it, I do want to mention two things. One, that Brian is actually my favorite high school talking head from season one of American Vandal, which is a fun fact, an Easter egg for anyone listening. And then two, and maybe more impressively, is that it's my understanding that you're currently on a huge eight-game winning streak against both of your brothers in Mario Party. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> yes, this is probably my my crowning achievement, I would say. You know, what people probably mostly know me from is my my historic run on Mario Party. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize you were uh you were so invested in our um the Peralt brothers in our uh, our gaming. I think I've made it pretty clear how invested I am in the Peralt brothers by far. But I, I did ask, I, so I asked Dan when Steve came on for like a fun, embarrassing fact about Steve when I introduced him. And so if, I, of course, had to do the same today with having you. And Dan so specifically was like, well, Brian doesn't like stories about when I reference things about when he was a child. And then he sent me like a long bullet point list of fun, but like adult facts about you, Brian. <laughs> Wait, Brian, oh, are wow. you the youngest? Because my younger brother is like that. And I just did that to him on Christmas again about when he <laughs> slammed the remote into our uh, like big screen TV that my mom got on Black Friday. And he was so mad about it. And I'm sure he's going to be so mad that I'm talking about it on the podcast, <laughs> too. Are you the are you the youngest? I am the youngest. And yeah, the holidays, you know, they definitely have like their own collection of stories, you know, that got brought up every year, you yeah. know, and especially as the youngest, you always have to rehear them. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. I, well, that makes sense. That I was nice relate. of him not to tell all your secrets <laughs> then, I guess. Yeah. True. And he, ga- he gave me a, a long list of fun facts. I just thought that this was really impressive and cute that you were beating both of the brothers that we know in Mario Party, which Dan had an asterisk and he was like, we play it a lot, so this is a big we deal. We do. Oh, that's nice. Do you play it, like, so you're all remote? I don't get video games. Are you all uh, in different Wait, you don't understand Mario this? Kart, Taylor? Um, First of all, I misspoke. It's Mario Party. And <laughs> yeah. I the answer is yes, because Same I don't even know question. the difference between Mario Party and Mario Kart. <laughs> I don't wait, know the difference. Brian, we have to rip Taylor to shreds for being <laughs> alive in the early 2000s and okay, not okay. knowing Mario Party. That's insane. <laughs> Here's what I will say. Much like your observations about being the youngest sibling, I was <laughs> the only girl. And my brother was seven years older than me. And, my, okay, and okay. he was like, 
there was like a zero tolerance policy yeah. for me playing his video games. That's like an like, inaccessible situation for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so like I have heard of Zelda because I, <laughs> it was like this coveted thing that he would play Zelda and I wouldn't get to play it. And I was like, and then I went through a phase where I wanted to be like, oh, that's not cool. I don't even care. Yeah. About yeah. It. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I'm in high school and in college and I'm like, trying to date guys and they bring up video games and it's just like gibberish to me it's just like a completely different language personally i think that you would really enjoy mario party and would be very good at it to this day and it's super it's a super fun thing to play with all your friends don't you think brian mario party is fantastic um pretty easy to just jump into um and yeah i mean that goes for a lot of nintendo games that's what i've always loved about nintendo is you know they don't make it too complex it's pretty simple to just you know hop on and play as much as you want um nintendo and my nintendo switch have really been the thing getting me through a lot of this pandemic i mean if you don't have one i I seriously recommend it (laughs) a lot of great games is mario party you are having a party? Or yeah, is it's it... like you're playing in a... It's almost like a game board, but Yeah, you... it's like you're playing on a, a board game, but yeah. you choose one of the classic Mario characters. What did characters. I say? Game board? Oh my god, I'm so sorry. You guys, I might be a little tired because my computer crashed this morning, but anyway, it's all good. It's all good. Keep going. Keep going. It's a board game. Yeah, and the goal is you gotta like you know, play around the map. There are a bunch of mini games. You collect coins, you collect stars. Um, and it's kind of like, I don't know if I can think of a more backstabby game than yeah. Mario Party. I mean, that oh, game ruins wow. friendships. Yeah. That took a turn. So it's it like, did. there's a sort of like survivor level, like strategy oh, yeah. sort of a thing. Wow. So when you guys are playing, when the Peralt brothers are playing, is this a game that you can like, pause and be like we'll come back to this tomorrow or is it you finish a game in each setting each sitting i would usually we usually finish a game in a sitting i would say um yeah a game lasts maybe about an hour or two it's not one of those crazy it's not like a dungeons and dragons kind of a deal right okay it's gonna last hours at a time it's one of those things too you can't like really monopolize being good at it because random stuff happens and there's so many different types of games so it's not like you're at a disadvantage if you haven't played it all the time that's what i think is fun about mario party well that's what i was going to ask is if this has created a sort of tension or divide amongst the peralt brothers that i love so much because you've had this long winning streak like are they resenting you are they plotting some sort of they can work together against you well, the hilarious thing is, you know, pretty much anytime I'm, you know, putting another W up on the board, I they they get so frustrated. You know, the game is so it involves so much chance. Um, there's a lot of luck involved, and they'll always say that the game is rigged. Right. Um, mm. But mm. we all know the we all really know. What's I'm going this down. way I'm with just uh, seen it. Have you guys ever played seen it? The movie game? Oh, yeah. I have only ever been beaten. We play it every Christmas in my house, except for this year because of the pandemic. And I, the only person who's ever beaten me one time is Mike. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. And I've won every single other (gasps) year. No one has ever beaten me. And my family legitimately thinks that I just like practice seeing it by myself and like memorize the answers. And that's not true. So. There you go. I I think she doth protest too much. (laughs) Anyway. 
Okay, wait. Let's get back on track because I'm very. I really, really need to figure out this this Glee project situation. So, yes. what's exciting is I hounded Brian to do the podcast, knowing that both of his brothers had done it. And I was like, "Please, just tell me that there's something that you've watched." And he was like, "Yeah, here's like a couple of things we could talk about." But if I'm being honest, what could be interesting is the Glee project. <laughs> I, I didn't really know what it was. So can you give a description to those of us who aren't familiar with the Glee project? Oh, of course. Um, so the Glee project, uh, it aired the summers of uh, 2010 and 2011, I think. Eight years. Or it might have been years. 2011, 2012. Um, but, um, it was this, uh, talent competition, um, where it narrowed down to about 12 contestants. Um, and over the course of 10 weeks, they were competing to earn a role on Glee. Um, uh, a seven episode guest starring arc. Um, and now every week someone gets voted, uh, voted out. Um, they have to compete in all these competitions to, um, to prove that they have what it takes to be on Glee. Um, and essentially they're, they're trying to um, convince the, the writing staff of the show Glee that they should write a role for them on the show. Um, so <laughs> wait, which is wild. <laughs> are the oh, writers, <laughs> are the writers, the judges? Well, yeah, every episode ends with um, the bottom three contestants will perform for Ryan Murphy. So, you know, your right. goal throughout the week is to to really nail it. You don't want to end up in the bottom three. You want to sail through to the next week. <laughs> but Ryan Murphy is the one who decides who gets sent home. And if you can't inspire him to create a role for you on the show, you are cut, which is such a awful way to... <laughs> Uh, to write for your show. And how um, would you describe Ryan Murphy? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, I mean, the show is... <laughs> it's it's wild because they pitch it as this... Um, I think the season two opener, um, they say, oh, this show isn't a talent show. It's an inspiration show. We're really looking for contestants who are going to inspire us. But then they always kind of just go with these generic, boring, you know, seen it a million times contestants. So I don't think he even knows what he's doing as a as a judge on the show. What type of like if you had to compare him to a Simon Cowell or a Paula yeah. Abdul, like what was his vibe as the judge of the show? Um, I think he he sees himself as a Simon, but I think he's more of a Paula. OK, OK. <laughs> Good to know. Do you do you suspect after two seasons that clearly this seven episode guest star arc was uh, already written and they were just like figuring out a pretty cookie cutter person to put into that role? Because because you're saying they they ended up selecting people who were kind of generic. Right. Um, well, yeah, they so many of the contestants came from, you know, really diverse backgrounds, had really unique stories, you know, they came ready to pitch characters they could play that we haven't really, especially, you know, 10 years ago, hadn't seen on TV so much or were maybe misrepresented. Uh, um, but um, spoiler alert, season one ends with two winners. What? And, um, whoa, whoa. I, <laughs> we'll have to... <laughs> We'll have to dig into that. I mean, that's Brian, a, Brian, that's no one is going to watch this show. So please tell us about this in detail. <laughs> uh, but essentially everyone they ever, uh, here's a prime example. 
uh, one of the winners from season one, Damien McGinty, who's just this lovely boy um, from Ireland, who's charming, you know, not amazingly talented and just kind of like coasts through the entire competition on his charm, uh, wins a role on the show. And his entire character trait on the show of Glee is just that he's Irish. Oh, oh perfect. I love that's, it. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> that's all they can think to do with him. Um, but yeah, it's... They don't really... Wait, wait. How did he be Irish for seven episodes? That's so crazy. Was he like on a some sort of Irish jig dancing team or something? <laughs> Did he have red hair? Was each episode like, and he really loves St. Patrick's Day. Like, what is the storyline that they gave this kid? Well, essentially, I mean, when they introduced his character, it was this whole shtick where, um, you know, I don't know if folks remember Brittany. She's the the cheerleader who's, you know, conventionally, you know, stupid. Um, She confuses him for a leprechaun, and that's the whole bit for the entire episode. Stop. Stop. Oh, my God. Okay, so. okay, okay. So, and he's a co-winner with someone else, correct? Yes. Well, and what is the part that that person booked? Uh, he books the role of um, uh, how would I describe it? He plays um, this religious figure who um, who dates <laughs> Quinn for a few episodes. Essentially, all these characters just fade to the background after one episode. You know, they might have a few a few lines here or there, but. Um, Season three was the first season where we saw uh, characters on the show who won on the Glee project. And even though there were two official winner winners, you know, who got seven episode arcs, this will blow your mind, two people won two episode arcs. So essentially season three was stocked with four people (laughs) from this reality television show. Um, And... I actually think it worked better when they gave folks two episode arcs. They just kind of popped in. They had like one big number. Yeah. And it. Yeah. That seems like the formula for that seems like it's made for success. I'm curious. Here's my biggest. Okay. Obviously both of us and I have several questions. Yeah. Here's one of the first ones. Wasn't Glee a fucking huge show at the time? Oh yeah. So why did they feel the need to have this like supplementary sort of promotional show when they could have just like, and in only the second and third seasons of it, when they could have just like been Glee? Like I, I'm curious what what do you think the conversation was amongst the people in charge to create this whole show in its in and of itself? It's an interesting question. I um. I guess, I mean, Glee was everywhere um, when, like, late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, and I it could have just been an excuse to get more marketing. You know, they want more, more eyes all the time. Because when Glee was off the air, you know, the Glee project was on. So it, you know, kept their, their audience for a few extra weeks of the year. Um, I guess it's that it's that like Bachelor in Paradise logic yes, of like yeah. we have these people on the hook, so what do we make them watch in between? It's also but like I, kind of a rivalry to American Idol, which was on ABC and Glee was on Fox, oh. right? So it might have been them trying to respond with like you know IP that they already knew was successful. And, 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Was America's Next Top Model, ANTM, also very popular at this time? Because then I feel like there might have been some faith in the, like, competition sort of weird talent show. Obviously, there's always been success in, like, competition talent shows in terms of cooking and all these crazy things we watch. But, like, that... This just, it seems so crazy looking back, (laughs) but clearly a lot of people with a lot of money and power were like, this idea is perfect. Let's do it. Bananas? I I will try to give them a little credit and say, like, I I hope that they they wanted a show where they can genuinely find, like, a star or someone that they really need on the show, because some of the contestants are fantastic and really have had great careers beyond the glee project i mean they uh they produced a tony winner and ali stroker <gasps> in season two um Whoa. alex newell from uh season one is on um zoe's incredible podcast is that is that the show <laughs> or <No>. spectacular <laughs> did i get it wrong but that definitely trumps me saying game board so it's i wish it was zoe's incredible podcast they tried to do that show with zach braff a couple of years ago and it did not pick up but uh, Zoe's incredible playlist where she has some kind of brain injury and she just hears people's thoughts in, in musical numbers. But yeah. Playlist, yes. Not podcast. Wait, so did they have to be triple threats? Like what is the main competition? Is it just singing? Sure. Why don't I walk um, everyone through a typical yes. episode of the Glee Project? Please. Please. Okay. So there are about like three challenges in any episode. So each week they're given a theme um and it's supposed to be you know some quality that you need to embody to be an ideal cast member on the show um this is like theatricality vulnerability sexuality a lot of them were really sexual themes i know and these kids are like 18 oh god Um, that's okay 18 year olds are horny that's fine i mean yeah but um (laughs) uh and then uh, the week starts with a, a homework assignment. So you're essentially assigned a song. You have to perform it as a group song with the entire remaining cast. Okay. And you perform it for one of the cast members of Glee. So like Darren Chris or Jane Lynch or someone. Cute. And super cute. Um, they choose a winner. Uh, that winner gets featured in the next assignment, um, mm. which is a music video. Um, Whoa. I know. So... And usually the the songs for these assignments had to be songs that were already pre-approved for Glee. So clearly they were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel eventually because you notice that every single song done on the Glee project is just a song that was done on Glee. So (laughs) it must have really been, you know, a lot of trouble for them to find songs that fit the theme each week. Yeah, that makes Uh, sense. but they go through the music video, um, uh, and then the the mentors of the show decide who you know really kills it, uh, who struggles in the you know dance studio, who struggles in the in the vocals uh, vocal studio, uh, and then based on their assessment of the team, they pick a bottom three um, who you know just didn't do well this week, who really struggled, who maybe really resisted with the director on set. And then those those three have to perform for Ryan at the end of the week. And then whoever, you know, doesn't up their game gets eliminated. So is Ryan like the Bowser at the end, like the big <laughs> elimination boss? Oh, that seems like a punny Mario joke, is it? Yeah, so Lit- if this was a game of Mario Party, 
<laughs> Ryan Murphy is Bowser. Wait, Taylor, you know who Bowser is, right? Bowser is in the Mario world. Like I when I that. say Bowser to you, like an image pops in your head. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh my yeah, god! I love yeah. this podcast because we just find out such crazy shit about each other. Like Taylor, like loves birds, and that's like become one of my favorite things to talk to her about. And now I know that she doesn't know anything about Mario, and it's amazing. I just, I just found out in 2020 that he is a plumber. <laughs> What? That's what I found out that he and that yeah. his name is Mario. Mario. Tony told me he told me that Mario is Mario. Mario, and he is a plumber. If I was Tony, this would be the only thing I would talk to you about all day long. Oh, he went through a phase. He really did. He was like, I can't believe there's all these things you don't know. And I was like, Okay, you don't know what Quidditch is, so get out of my butthole. Like we all have things we don't know. Okay, but I vaguely I know of Bowser. Browser. Bowser. Bowser. Wow. Bowser. Wow. Here's the here's the thing. I don't want to sound biased. I don't want to sound oh like I'm a biased person. But is there no just actual acting challenge? That's what We're I was going to ask. To ask if they have acting through just this a song and dance and then a music video. Like there's no scene that they have to do. Well, that's probably why this show. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why the show never works, <laughs> and you know the, the winners. <laughs> um. But yeah, there's no acting challenge. You think that they would, you know, assign them scenes or, you know, something. But the entire season is just them performing songs, um, which is why I think they realize a little bit too late because a lot of the people who won season one just really couldn't act. You know, they had a lot Mm. of charm and they're like, this is the character I would play. And it's like, well, just because, you know, you have an idea for a character we don't already have on the show doesn't mean you should play it. It doesn't mean you're going to be good on camera. Um, and a lot of them aren't. Yeah. I love this. I, Are you so triggered by this, Taylor? Because I'm like deeply, like, I just love imagining the writer's room of Glee, like trying to fucking fit some random, I'm Irish, like storyline into seven yeah. episodes of the season. It makes me laugh because so the hard. can't act. I, what's so <laughs> funny is at first this was pitched, like I thought, oh my God, like if the writers are judges, then like what a dream situation. But clearly it's not for them <laughs> if they can't act. I also wonder if there's some, I, I know we were talking about like why they would have made the show. I bet we spent a lot of money on like the rights to all of these songs. And like, if you're saying that it's sort of them scraping the bottom bottom of the barrel of what they either like didn't have on Glee or they just wanted to repeat what was on Glee, that they were just like trying to juice their money's worth out of these songs that they already got. So that just was like a show of so much singing. And then by the end, someone was like, the only thing I could play is a leprechaun. And they're like, (laughs) fuck. (laughs) <laughs> we didn't make them do an acting challenge. Even on America's Next Top Model, they did really terrible acting challenges where they would just give them like a, you know, one page scene and make them do Here's it the other thing, too. It's like, you know, we have criticized quite a few reality shows for having like not a good enough prize, or I have specifically. And to me, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is too good of a prize. Like these oh, people yeah. would be excited <laughs> with like a episode if they won the whole thing. Like, why did we give them, you know, practically like what is it? I forget what the contracts are called, but if 
you're an actor and you're like 10 of 13 episodes, like that's a specific level oh, of whatever. That's, that's the thing. When you said there was a seven <laughs> yeah. episode guest star arc, I was like, I would give my left tit for that. Exactly. Now. Like <laughs> yeah. it's so if it, someone was like, you can come on this reality show and do this. I was like, that's huge. Like that's so huge in my mind. I really expected it to be like, oh, and then you get like a couple of lines on Glee, but they were like not messing around in terms of the like level of of award insane crazy (laughs) oh no yeah it's enormous um which is why i think that you know it's better those folks that won just a few episodes you know they just pop in here and there and it 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 really worked so much better seven episodes you really have to design the entire season around this poor random person who won a reality show and doesn't really fit with the rest of your cast it's yeah, so, so crazy. and I bet the ca- I, bet, I like I bet the cast like probably didn't drive with that like there's so many weird politics behind that. Yeah. I, okay. So Brian, were you watching this? Were you in high school or college when this was on? I was in high school. This would have been I was like a junior or so. And were you doing musical theater? Oh yeah. This I remember when Glee Project first came out. I was doing Drowsy Chaperone. Uh, it was. Oh. You're <laughs> I'm familiar? sorry. That's such a sick musical to do in high school i'm sorry what <laughs> the drowsy chaperone how fun okay it was continue. so much sorry. fun and that like that was our obsession like the entire cast was watching the show and we'd always come in and talk about the drama who our favorites were who we desperately want to get voted off um but i mean i loved glee because it was like a theater kid's dream it was like seeing us you know like oh like I love all things, you know, musical theater and it's being put on TV and it's so, you know, mainstream pop culture. And then the Glee Project was like almost even more so because we knew it wasn't scripted. Did you feel a sort of like, oh, wow, I really want to be on the Glee Project? I think I would kick ass. Okay, here's the wild thing. And I think it it makes for a, a great, um, great perspective on this story. I auditioned for the Glee Project. I love it. (laughs) Stop. Well, we didn't know it was the Glee Project at the time, but in, uh, I guess it was 2010 or so, 2011, they just mysteriously posted, you know, we're looking for people to be on Glee. They had a website and everything. You had to post a video of yourself singing like a 32 second clip from the show like you got like 10 options and you had to sing one of the songs that's pre-cleared from the show and all of us in uh high school did it um and this is the the pool of videos that they used to pull for the the glee project cast like i think tens of thousands of kids submitted but i definitely submitted to be on the glee project i mean among thousands of others oh, but oh man we're gonna now have to call your mom and see if we can get that for our instagram that's what i think yeah it's true no way i'm not contacting joan i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> what did you sing um oh god um tell again, me it was don't stop believing by journey it wasn't don't stop believing that would have been bad <laughs> i don't think that was even one of the the options because again this was I think Glee had only been on for a year at this point, and oh, wow. I I sing "Don't Rain on My Parade," which <gasps> I um, love. I love spectacular. Love a good funny girl moment. Yes, um, but I remember one of my my classmates because 
the the web page that had all the submissions on it like you could watch everyone's video oh wow and no you, you could like rank them by like male female and you know see who had the most views and what if my classmates like was high up there um not <gasps> me though <laughs> that's like i hate that i that's devastating i don't want to see how well someone else did if they're not going to make it if they make it fine i'll be upset about it but like not if they don't make it and they just have way more views than me that sucks <laughs> That is bananas. Here's here's a question I have. Like, I'm I'm so fucking obsessed with musical theater, and like, yeah. I am so fucking currently obsessed with reality TV. And you've referenced like being a fan of competition shows. Why have sort of musical theater competition shows not caught on more? Because there's this, there's the Glee Project. There was a brief show on MTV about who would play the next Elle Woods on Broadway. Right. Oh, that's cool. And that, I like ate that up. I was obsessed with it. Sounds super similar in terms of like what they were competing, except maybe it was a little bit more specific in challenges because they were like, I, I remember there was one episode where they were leading up to who couldn't hit the high note at the end of So Much Better, which is like this huge number in that musical. But the shows just didn't have that ar- amazing of ratings. And like, mm-hmm. we've covered competition shows on this podcast about sword making. And like, I've found a pottery making show on Netflix. Like, I don't understand why do what what is there to crack? Do you think about the musical theater competition show that just hasn't been cracked yet? It's a good question because I think the formula of the Glee Project. I mean, it's it's both a terrible show and a wonderful show. It's a beautiful disaster, um, and I don't know if maybe the musical theater community is too earnest. Like, there's a certain degree of reality TV where it's like we have to be willing to make fun of these people and give people the villain edit and make people look like absolute morons. Um, Mm. And I think maybe because they were doing it within the lens of Glee when they did the Glee project that it it gave them like a voice for this, this show. Um, But it's, it's difficult because, you know, there has to be some kind of prize at the end. You can't just do a competition where you're knocking people off um, week after week, and then there's nothing at the end of the road. So maybe that's part of the the question too: is what do you even offer someone for a musical theater reality singing competition? I too, I wonder if I think that makes a lot of sense, and I wonder if there's some like explanation that people really want to avoid. Like by the time I end up connecting with people in adulthood that also are obsessed with musical theater, they like grew up with it. And, like the three of us are like, oh my god, funny girl, amazing. Mm-hmm. But to fill in an audience that doesn't know about that might feel like a burden or might feel too insider baseball-y. Yes. So then you don't want to do that work and you don't want to explain that to them. And then, but then you catch yourself doing a show that people then don't feel connected to as much as someone with the past knowledge would. So it's a, I think it's this weird niche as I'm now dating someone who I love so much, but lacks <laughs> so much of a connection to musical theater. It's like my biggest, like, bridge with tony it's like how do we how do we meet in the middle on this thing that he just like doesn't get it i will say that i had not heard of the drowsy chaperone and when you like gasped like it was the most exciting (laughs) thing in the world i did google it and the logline is a parody of american musical comedy of the 1920s the story concerns a middle-aged asocial musical theater fan so i do see how that would be hard to relate to had you not directly experienced it like 
So. And the most meta part of this is I forgot how meta the drowsy chaperone was. That's oh, so the meta. best part. Okay, so that answers my question. That's it. It's just like it is you you're just like in the club or you're not. You're in or you're out, people. You're in or you're out. All right. I'll break up with Tony. That's what you guys want. I'll do it. And then I'll sing in a, a spectacular number in regards to it. Brian, do you have anything? I know this is tough because it is the quote unquote pandemic but do you have anything that you can plug anything we can watch or any show to promote or anything sure yeah i know it's the pandemic and it's hard to you know be creative and be creating things um but uh me and my improv group are still performing weekly uh you can catch us uh through a little group called we improv um our team performs uh through twitch every tuesday night um so you can catch us uh on tuesdays uh but there are also shows on mondays and wednesdays if you're available and want to catch some other great teams uh and yeah it's just a, a fun community a great way to you know be involved in something even though we're all apart and you should yeah. check us out that's wow, so cool i love that you guys are doing answer. that yeah yeah i was like sick that's the coolest answer thus far yeah (laughs) and where can everybody find you on instagram or twitter or either one or neither i was sure you can find me on instagram um i believe it's just at brian peralt um i don't post much so don't expect much um (laughs) and uh the same goes for twitter at brian peralt don't expect anything Just watch a bunch of our listeners will DM you and be like, what the fuck, man? What? Why did I come here the for hell? nothing? Nada? Man. I, and then mm-hmm. we're all going to expect you to do a full rendition of Don't Rain on My Parade for yes. our Instagram. Is that a deal? Are we shaking hands on it virtually? We're Ryan? virtually shaking hands on it. Yes. I'll have Woo! that to you ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for coming and doing this very fun and specific and niche flashback show uh, and completing our Peralt brother trifecta. We will admit that you're our favorite, but don't tell the other two. Oh, I promise. <laughs> You'll have to have mom and dad on next. Yes. <laughs> don't oh even. God. I love them so much. I wouldn't even dare. Oh. Do you think they would? <laughs> I'll talk them into it. Do they watch anything? What do they like? What do they watch? I imagine they, them just being like the sweetest and just like holding hands and like talking to each other all the time. They watch they TV. They love The Crown, um, and they love Downton Abbey. Okay, so, amazing. Okay. Let's oh, change the idea. entire like objective of the podcast, Alyssa, just to get the Peralt parents on the pod. Okay, all we do is review British shows, which you know I love. Yeah. Now British <laughs> that's British what it shows. Is. Oh yeah, Alyssa hates British people. <laughs> Anywho. And on that note, thank you so much, Brian. Oh, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs>